All right, we're going in uh, three, two, one. Hello, welcome to Aegon Podcast episode two. Thank you for joining us today. Here with my brother, Race. Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to go and check out episode one, that's also available on YouTube now. Um, on nitrates and bacon and why nitrate-free bacon may be just as bad for you as normal bacon. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the Australian Guide to Healthy Eating, which is something that you get taught at school. And it's kind of like a, a set of guidelines that you're supposed to follow uh, with your diet. Um, and it's recommended by the government. But before we get into that, uh, make sure after this podcast, you go and check out the Aegon website for health products. That's A-G-O-N supplements.com, Aegon Supplements. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And we now have a YouTube channel where these uh, podcasts will go up called Aegon Media. Uh, and make sure if, like, it's, it's 40 degrees today, but there'll be some crazy people out there who are still doing their workouts. Got to make sure you're getting your correct nutrition, all right? Post-workout, got to get that right fuel in, especially if you're not going uh, to be having a meal within the next half hour. So on the Aegon website, currently on sale, we have Blue Dinosaur Energy Bars, very clean, uh, organic uh, ingredients, and uh, they're a great way to fuel yourself post-workout. So go and check those out as well. Let's get into this uh, government food chart here. Uh, Reese. When, when you went to school and you did mm-hmm. PE, because this is taught in the uh, PDHPE mm-hmm. curriculum at, at school in Australia, mm-hmm. um, did you get taught this stuff as well? Is this something that came up in your textbook? Man, I can't really remember. I guess you didn't really focus too much. No, I no. wasn't. I wasn't really at school. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, like I don't know. Just like year nine and ten, or uh, like year nine, I didn't go to school that much. Yeah, just skip school. Yeah, pretty much. This is this is available to anyone. If you look up the Australian Guide to Healthy Eating, you can see it's online. We've got it in front of us right now. But let's uh, let's break this down because. It's something that, you know, you get taught at school, but it's not, uh, and uh, we're not, we're not claiming to be nutritionists here, not claiming to be dietitians. Neither is your PDHP teacher. Yeah, neither is your PDHP teacher, and neither should be the government, right? And, uh, you know, I get this, uh, this thing has apparently been made by dietitians, but uh, we're just going to break it down a bit, see where, we've done, we've done quite a lot of research for this one, guys, um, and so where they've gone wrong. Because um, I, I think it is outdated And there is a thing that uh, There is a bit of a notion now That there is no such thing as one diet fits all And this sheet The Australian Guide to Healthy Eating Is pretty much one diet fits all And uh, it doesn't appear to be a very good diet And I think just just on that You kind of get the worst of, of both worlds Because of course um, And I haven't reviewed this as much But the the notion of bio-individuality That's an idea mm. that's been around for quite quite some time like a number of decades and of course it's I, I, I wouldn't say it's impossible to create the equivalent of this for the different uh, I, I guess you'd say the different distributions of mm-hmm. bio individuality um, but with this and, and make them good I, I don't think it would be impossible it would be mm. a lot harder yeah um, take, take some proper research mm. not just like a thing you can whip up in a week. Yeah. Um, but with, with this, you kind of get, get the worst of both, both worlds because 
A, they don't account for bio-individuality, but also it's just wrong. Yeah. Um, and and say there, there are seven different uh, bio-individualities. Bio mm-hmm. um, this is probably optimized for none of them. Yeah, exactly. Actually, I think for it would be optimized for one of them, which is one temporary one. Which And I'm, I'm not condoning this at all. Yeah. Which is if you're a very high-performing athlete, mm-hmm. as in, like, usually uh, you're at school and you're doing, like, a vigorous rowing program or something, this stuff will... And it's not good. I'm not saying it's good. It'll probably just run through you, though. And But you will you will, you will will feel like shit compared to uh, what you would feel like if you had done, if you had eaten a proper diet. But you'd be damaging your gut, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, just just as one thing. Yeah, and once, once you get older, mm. you will definitely see the effects mm. and feel the effects. You'll, you'll be feeling the effects right now, and this is the thing. A lot of people feeling the effects, but they don't know it because they haven't made a change ever mm-hmm. to like a, a proper diet. So you have uh, a lot of energy that's just locked up that uh, you haven't even accessed yet. And it's not just down to energy as well. I just say it's like uh, brain. You, get, you can get a lot of brain fog from a poor diet, which we'll get into. Um, you just have a lower cognitive capacity, really. I think for me, that's the main thing I've noticed mm. is changing my diet is uh, the because I'm not an elite athlete. Like I do, I do exercise quite regularly, mm-hmm. but I'm not really training for a- anything really massive. Mm-hmm. But with studying um, for uni, I've noticed a massive difference in in the clarity of my my thought and retention of information, and also just general motivation. Because mm-hmm. I think you're a lot more motivated to sit down and and do a few hours of study if it doesn't feel like a on top of having to uh, work hard mentally, mm-hmm. you're not also having to push through your own body yeah. resisting you. Yeah. Which is it's really awesome when, when you get to that state. Yeah. Because then you feel like you're you're on a, a level playing field and really it's just you versus whatever you're trying to learn mm-hmm. as opposed to thinking, man, if I hadn't had that donut yeah. uh, and uh, Frappuccino, then I'd, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be getting through this way faster. Yeah. And uh, also, as a bit of a side note, um, having a poor diet contributes to uh, libido. And if you're if you're a young, this is actually this is for males and females. But if you're a young person and uh, you have no no sex sex drive, or even if it, like say you're uh, say you're trying to start a family and you have no sex drive. Can also like that's pretty bad. Uh, so let's start breaking down this uh, guide to healthy eating. Straight away, a lot of carbohydrate. Mm. There's like and only one glass of water. <laughs> yeah, only <laughs> one glass of water. Uh, but like, th- I think this is supposed to like represent a plate or some. Uh, it's, it's supposed to represent quantities in proportion to how much you're eating for the whole day, and uh, carbohydrate. So yeah, she says grain, cereal foods, mostly whole grain and or high high cereal fiber varieties. That's a third of your diet. Mm. So it's like saying, uh, "All right, for the third of your diet, eat uh, eat Weetabix," mm-hmm. which is, I mean, I don't understand how that uh, that even sneaks into there. Really, even if you're even if you're an athlete, right? The most most, of course, you need carbohydrates as fuel. 
and you should, but you should only really be eating high amounts of carbohydrate in this proportion where it's a third of your diet um, before, during, and after exercise. And even if, when you're an endurance athlete or an elite athlete, you actually rely on fats more as fuel, uh, even when you're resting. Um, and this is an interesting thing we'll get into later on, that uh, fatty acids are a major fuel for muscles at rest, including the heart, since it has uh, almost no glycogen stores because uh, it's very dense in mitochondria and uh, it's constantly, constantly working. Uh, but as you can see, if you just look up Australian Guide of Healthy Eating, I don't see one avocado on here, right? So, and we'll get more into this in a second. Uh, there, there doesn't really seem to be any fat mm-hmm. in this in this uh, guide healthy eating. There's one, there's one most one which is mixed nuts, which accounts for like it's in the in the slice. That's about an eighth of your diet. So, what should people be because in within the context of this yeah. uh, guideline, the the carbs are for the energy, right? Yeah. So. And, and um, if you're if you're getting all of your energy from fat, right? Then mm-hmm. you're that's a ketogenic diet, right? Mm-hmm. Which is which is kind of hard to maintain. Yeah. So and also it's not it doesn't work for everyone. Yeah. Um. So what what do people what are people supposed to do if if they're not they're not meant to be getting all their energy from here? They they can't get all their energy from fat. Mm-hmm. Just what are some other what what are you saying? Um. What I'm saying is yeah. There should be less carbohydrate because carbohydrate is more source when you're active. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be easily converted into uh, for gly- glycogen stores in your muscles. It can be easily transferred into your glycogen stores. Mm. Um, but they should be relying more on fat because it's a slower burning fuel. It's not as efficient, which is why it's not as good for exercise. But uh, it's a more slow release calorie, thing. and it's a lot more. It's a lot denser as well. So. So carbs are good. Carbs are what you kind of have post workout or mm. pre workout, like and in, and we mean intense workout here. Oh yeah, yeah. You well, you you need some carbohydrate, yeah. right? And th- there's this thing like children always have this notion where they have some chocolate. And it's like oh yeah, but you need some sugar, like mm. just to get you through. And that's true. Um, you do need some carbohydrate, mm. but <laughs> not well, to the degree where it's a third of your diet. Yeah, and and also. I think you're going to touch on this. All mm-hmm. carbs are not created equally, right? Yeah, definitely. There's a difference between a Tim Tam and some lentils. Yeah, and it, there's a difference between having some sweet potato that you've cooked in coconut oil mm. and the carbs are recommending here, which is uh, like crumpets, tortillas. Uh, no, quinoa is pretty good. Uh, wheat flakes, wheat bix and bread. Mm-hmm. If you just look at these products, there a lot of them are wheat products. Mm. Um, and... What do wheat products contain? Gluten. You know, you can get gluten-free, but I'm not a massive fan of that because you have to look at uh, how they've actually removed the gluten, and it's just another process, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but gluten's in you know, wheat, rye, barley, spelt, heaps of other species of wheat. Um, and actually, I think it's a good a good opportunity to break down what wheat actually, uh, gluten actually is. Yeah, so why are you telling people don't don't eat gluten? Oh, okay, so gluten is, is like a, a protein mm-hmm. in the plants. And it helps helps keep like wheat, for example. It helps keep the wheat crop uh, more rigid, so it's not just flopping over and stuff. Um, but gluten's also sticky, and so that like when you make dough, that's what keeps the dough together because it's got the uh, sticky gluten content and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but that means it also creates a whole host of issues like in your stomach because it's sticking in there. It's causing irritation. 
and it's not just like it's not just if you have celiac disease. Uh, celiac disease. Yeah. Um, and people might be like, "All right, well, you know, why is that there? It's just like gluten stuff sticking on the inside of your stomach." There has been research into it, uh, into the effects of gluten, about how it makes your blood-brain barrier more permeable. Mm-hmm. And blood-brain barrier 101 is pretty much like the barrier that allows certain things in to the area where your brain is and doesn't allow other things in. So it's pretty much protecting your brain. If it gets more permeable, you're letting more stuff in. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like if you have a sieve and you start making the holes a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, and then before you know it, the food's going to be going through when you're trying to uh, drain it. So that's one, one thing. Consequently, it can cause uh, brain inflammation. Mm. And, you know, I'm not saying you're going to go eat a piece of bread and your brain's going to like be pressing on your skull or something. But you will, you will notice the effects. Brain fog, brain fog headaches. Uh, well, that's, that's, cause that's I, what you experienced. Yeah, well, I mean, eventually found out I'm celiac. But um, mm-hmm. it was very strange over the years, I just so I just when I ha- when I'd have a piece or drink a beer, I would just think, oh, I'm just having a, you know, I'm just having a food coma or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just go lie down and I'll be fine, and and I would, but once I st- once I got the celiac diagnosis and I stopped uh, drinking beer so much, like I still have the occasional beer because mm-hmm. I just enjoy it, especially when you. Especially, you. I think you told me you especially felt these effects when you went on exchange. Yeah, when and I was in Dublin mm-hmm. um, at Trinity, I I drank quite a lot of Guinness. Oh, just like the, <laughs> quite a lot. The requisite. What, what was it? What was your pint count? The what do you think? <laughs> amount for a Trinity student, uh, for for a somewhat studious Trinity student, it was it was sizable. I don't I don't want to give you some apoc- apocryphal estimate because yeah. Uh, there's if any of my mates listen to this, then uh, I'll probably get called out. I don't know. I would say, I say during the week, especially at the start when when I, I just was really enjoying the Guinness. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it wasn't a huge amount, but like Guinness has a lot of calories. Probably yeah, like, isn't it have really heavy beer as well? Yeah, like ten to twelve pints of Guinness a week. I would say, which which is quite a lot of calories. Um, yeah, and I put on quite a lot of weight. Yeah, when I was there. But going back to the brain fog thing, mm-hmm. thinking back then, I do remember always feeling very just unhealthy, and 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 I was having a very, I, I was having a unhealthy diet. But more than that, I was drinking a lot, mm-hmm. and I was drinking a lot of things that are a high in carbohydrate, but also gluten based, mm-hmm. and also eating a lot of gluten, a lot of burgers and chips and stuff. Pasta, uh, pasta. Oh wait. Chips wouldn't have gluten in them, would they? Oh, it depends. Sometimes yeah. they're they're coated in yeah uh, wheat, like flour. Yeah. But yeah, so you felt the you felt those effects when you were like doing your studies. Yeah, just in in day to day life, you just don't feel as as on point on the ball. Mm-hmm. You need a bit longer to get out of bed, maybe. Mm-hmm. Not as motivated. I think. I think the thing is, what I, what I've realized in terms of just like changing your changing who what you do and and who you are um as much as you can mm-hmm. or, or or uh removing uh behaviors that you think are, are not good um for you mm-hmm. or you just want to get rid of you don't want to be using willpower because i think willpower is is unsustainable and so you want to ha- habituate yourself to 
a form of behavior and and that's in in the Nicomachean ethics Aristotle talks about this you want to if you start and I'm paraphrasing this a lot but if you start acting good even if you're um you don't really want to do the good thing if you continuously do this good thing right say it's smiling at the old person that lives on your floor who's maybe a bit miserable and like making conversation with them every day initially you won't want to do that but you start doing Mm -hmm. it i don't know why because you just want to improve your confidence a bit um and get used to talking to people when you're out and about and then and then eventually you'll you'll actually start enjoy you'll you'll become accustomed to that behavior and you'll actually start enjoying doing that behavior because a I think the consequences of doing that will bleed out into your in into other aspects of your life. Uh but essentially you just brainwash yourself and you change your baseline. Mm. And it and and that's essentially what a lot of self-help I think it is is it it, it it's not that you're it's not some big like uh change mm-hmm. um is essentially that you were brainwashed in one way you had a certain view a model of the world and all models um all models are wrong in some kind of way yeah um and you're just swapping them out and this one's optimized for other things and it's a bit better for what you're trying to do yeah and so with with the with the food when you when you change your diet and you have a better diet it reduce i think it reduces the will power to do the other things that you want to do because you just have so much more energy and you feel so much better mm-hmm. and 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 initially right you do have to use willpower a to do these other things and b to change your diet if you have a bad diet yeah um and especially if that's a pattern of behavior that's gone on for a number of years you know i'm only uh what i'm 24 now um happy birthday yeah, how many days ago? Like twenty days ago. Yeah, um, same day as David Bowie. <laughs> uh, so you're living up to it. And Elvis Presley. Really? Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. Um, anyway, having good diet reduces the willpower required to change other aspects of your life, if that's what you you wish. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a that's a nice consequence of having a a good diet and being healthy. And when you realize that actually it's not super difficult to be pretty healthy with your diet, um, that, that, that's quite, quite a liberating thing because A, the, the notion that being really healthy requires this monk-like discipline is dispelled. Mm-hmm. But also once you start doing this regularly, and it does take like a few months, um, then your whole, your whole life really does change. And you, you don't want to go back to it. No, you don't because, and this is a thing, you know. I'm not as strict as you, right, with my diet. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still, I'd say, still pretty. I'm still good compared to the and rest of people. Yeah, but like I'll still, you know, eat out and have like some junk sometimes, or mm-hmm. like um, go go out and get a bit drunk, or whatever. Which is just like stuff I enjoy doing. I choose to do, but the thing is, now when I do that. I feel so bad afterwards. Yeah. Even like, you know, back back in the day I could have quite a few drinks and I'd be hungover, but I wouldn't be that bad. Mm. Whereas now, because my baseline is different, if yeah. I essentially just poison my body even to a, a smaller degree than I previously would, 
then I really, really notice it. And yeah, I know. Like you, the next day after you've just you haven't even had a night out, you've yeah. just gone and seen some friends, and you come back at like ten p.m. Yeah, and they say like, "Oh, dude, I feel so bad." Yeah, and it's like, "How many drinks do you have?" Oh, two. Yeah, and it, that's it. Yeah, you become more sensitive to it. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, I think it depends on what you drink. Yeah, if definitely. You, if I drink red wine, I can drink quite like a, a nice amount of it and uh, get a bit tipsy and also uh, feel pretty good the next day mm. whereas if i drink beer or spirits then and, and i think that just depends on you mm. vodka vodka i like as well but yeah. that's a a nightshade yeah it's all it's all kind of subjective mm. like me i get i get lightheaded eating a rumble so a what a rumble what's a rumble you know there's like chocolate balls with the rum in them oh yeah uh i think there's a good opportunity as well because we're talking about the mental effects to uh Talk about gluten's impact on uh, mental health because there, there is a, uh, a study which is uh, available to everyone online. It's called Anxiety But Not Depression Decreases in Celiac Patients After One Year Gluten-Free Diet. Uh, available to everyone online, open access. And this is really interesting. So as in the title... After one year of a gluten-free diet, in, and this was in celiac patients, but it's uh, still an interesting point, the number of uh, subjects who had depression did not change, or it, it changed a little bit. It, was, it decreased by something like 5%, which wasn't really enough for them to make a conclusive answer. Um, but for the patients with anxiety, and this was state anxiety, um, not trade anxiety, uh, at the start of the uh, program, 71.4% of the subjects had state anxiety. At the end of the trial, after a one-year gluten-free diet, it went down to 25.7%, which is pretty pretty big. Uh, like you can't really ignore that. Um, and I guess the reason why all of these reactions occur is because when you eat gluten, uh, it's identified as a foreign substance in your body. And that as soon as a foreign substance gets into your body, there are a host of... Uh, reactions that occur and we can get more into that later as well because we're going to be talking about uh dairy and histamines um but let's say you are you're super into your bread and you're not a massive fan of uh you know paleo breads gluten-free breads um a good way to still enjoy bread uh is to have it fermented uh, and I know that it's pretty hard to find a place that does fermented bread uh there is a there is a place in manly manly co-op what about sourdough? Sourdough, I don't think... It has to be... There's like a specific process. Oh, okay. And the fermentation remo- uh, breaks down the gluten. There is also sprouting, uh, but there's a bit of contention on sprouting because people are like, oh, there isn't enough research on it. But the idea behind it is that it forces the grain to eat its carbohydrates and proteins mm. before it's made into the bread. And gluten's are included in those proteins. But again, there are gluten-free options... But you just have to make sure that you know or you're familiar with the process of how something's become gluten-free as well. You want to make sure it's not genetically modified or anything. All right, so let's... Uh, we touched on this a bit earlier. This is something I really want to get into is the fats. Mm-hmm. Uh, this little fat wedge in the Healthy Eating Guide is probably like an eighth or a ninth of this, of this chart. This is a purple thing, right? This is the... The blue thing. 
Blue and purple, I guess, because okay. milk has fats in it as well. But we'll get more into that in a second. Oh, what? This is their fats? Yeah. So lean meats and what? poultry, fish, eggs, tofu, nuts, and seeds, and legumes and beans. Oh, just one thing I, I'd want to say is that, you know, we talk about bioindividuality at the mm-hmm. start. Oh, we talked about it. Um, just one very obvious one is just the difference between men and women, right? Mm, definitely. And, and this isn't... Uh, this isn't suited it to that. It doesn't take that into account at all. Like, uh, men shouldn't eat tofu. Uh, like, straight up. Shouldn't, shouldn't be eating uh, things that are high in estrogen. But also just think, you know, for instance, a, a woman that's having her period, she'll mm-hmm. need to check if she wants to have a, a kind of optimized diet. Mm-hmm. That will change at that time of the month for mm-hmm. her. Yeah. Um, that, this, this isn't accounted for in, in, in this uh Health chart, and that's you know that's a pretty basic thing, mm-hmm. um, and even like basic for. basic supplements like fish mm-hmm. oil, like they they recommend fish, but they just recommend fish. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. What if you are? Uh, what if you're not eating any oily fishes? Where are you going to get your fats from? Mm-hmm. Which is an interesting point I find about this. Where are your sources of fats? You've got the fish and the mixed nuts. I don't really see anything else. And it, see, notice how they say lean meats. Mm. They want you eating the fat, which is a very old-fashioned notion because uh, fats were a massive part of ancestral diets. I th- well, I think it'd be interesting to... I don't think we did the research on this, but look at the sh- the sugar industry's role in discrediting fat yeah. and, and good fats value in a diet because mm. I think, uh, especially around heart disease... Yeah, the sh- the sugar lobby essentially got a lot of scientists to create this shoddy research mm. that um, you know showed that fat rather than sugar was the cause of uh, chronic illnesses, and I think it was it was heart disease. Definitely, um, there are a lot of uh, websites. I'm not going to name any, but I I have them on my tongue right now. But I don't want to get called out or anything. Uh, that uh, post-research about heart health and how you keep a healthy heart. And they've had to go back over the years. And I'm not talking like 20 years ago. I'm talking about like within the last 10 years, 10, 5 years. They've had to go and edit certain things. And you can see they've had to. They've also had to t- uh, admit that they had to edit them. Things like where they said f- eating high amounts of fat like coconut oil mm. will contribute to cardiovascular disease. But, but wouldn't you? wouldn't someone say... Okay, if you're it, like the counter argument would be, well, you know, that's the nature na- nature of scientific knowledge. We're always trying to kind of falsify it and mm. then move forward and and develop our knowledge. Sure. So what, what would you say to that? Because they they just say, well, yeah, we got it wrong, but we, you know, uh, the data changes and we're just doing our mm-hmm. best to keep up. That's a fair point, um, and I think that definitely applies for certain areas of science. Mm. I mean, that's the reason why we're we're where we're at right now. Is because we discredit certain hypotheses uh, from uh, earlier, mm. but when it comes to fats, the information was there for so long. Mm. Like our dad was talking about this stuff um, ages ago, mm. when I was like half what my age is now, like ten years ago. He I, was talking about this I, stuff. I think it was, and but I think it's been e- around even earlier. Yeah, than yeah, that. definitely. And what would be interesting, we, we haven't looked into this, but it could be a good future episode, is to look at where the research was at when other companies were discrediting fat. Mm. Um, and, uh, I mean, certain things about uh, 
the importance of fat for your body were known ages ago. Your brain's made 60% of fat. Your brain needs fat. That's why it's so important to uh, eat fats if you want uh, good cognitive function, particularly omega-3 fatty acids, which you've probably heard a million times before because everyone's like, oh, have you got your omega-3s? Um, and they're contained in things like salmon, nuts, yogurt, and eggs. And if you notice here, I'm, pre- <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not a salmon. I'm I'm no I'm not a fish expert. It's like Dory, <laughs> without the blue. Last time I went fishing, my rod got yeah, snapped. Yeah, that, lo- that looks like something that you get in some like filthy river. Yeah, um, probably in Parramatta River. If a uh, Parramatta council <laughs> are listening to this, <laughs> clean up the Parramatta River. It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, get rid of those bats. Yeah, there are like a thousand bats. They poo in there every day. In the morning, if you go there, then it's pretty dangerous. But uh, there's a, they've also got uh. I don't know if this was intentional, but they've only got two eggs, uh, which is which is kind of weird, right? Because you think eggs are like the staple, mm. and there's a reason between it. Uh, there's a reason for this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be straight honest with this. I eat like six eggs a day minimum. Like some, and, and what's your what's your body fat percentage? Just so people know. Oh, like roughly, uh, it's like probably like what do you think? Below ten percent? Way yeah, way below ten yeah. percent. I would say like. It's pretty low. It's, it's like probably six. Yeah. But the, the, th- the problem is with this is that uh, it's based on a very old-fashioned argument, which is the cholesterol in eggs. Mm. And people are like, oh, you eat eggs, you get high cholesterol. Um, and there's a study open to everyone called Egg Consumption and Risk of Cardiovascular Disease. And uh, this is a quote from the study. Moderate egg consumption is not associated with cardiovascular disease. All right, people say... You're not eating moderate egg consumption if you're eating 12 eggs a day, which, you know, I have done. Mm-hmm. Um, there, are, there are periods when we just can't be bothered to go buy meat, so we just eat eggs mm. as our sole source of protein for like three days straight. But uh, Boiled eggs. They'll boiled li- eggs. They'll liberate you. Yeah. <laughs> they'll save so much time. Um, and you can, uh, for, for anyone that's sometimes competing for use of the stove, why don't you uh, tell them about it? Oh, yeah. Uh, good trick I learned. Also, if you're traveling and you're like, all right, I want to make sure I still, I'm still eating pretty good, go to the supermarket, buy some good quality eggs, go and get the kettle in the room, uh, fill it with water, put the eggs in, and boil it twice through. If you want to be extra safe, just hold down, hold down the button even when it's boiling so it just bubbles heaps. Um, and that's a, a good way to, to get your eggs. Uh, the, the only downside is if they crack in there, it like, fills up with egg. But, uh, you know, you can just sort that out yourself, just wash it out. There is also evidence that cholesterol from eggs doesn't cause an increase in your plasma cholesterol. And Ben Greenfield did a little self-experiment on this where he ate 12 eggs a day for a week and then got his cholesterol tested and it was, there was like no difference. I'm pretty sure it went down and he already had a low cholesterol and he does admit he was exercising a lot. And that's what the evidence suggests. If you're exercising, it doesn't increase your cholesterol. So that's something to keep in mind. But you shouldn't just like rule eggs out mm-hmm. because you worry about cholesterol. Because one, it's not really... There, there's, there's so much debate on eggs, like the free-range barn egg debate. Um, so I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole right now. But eggs, are the, you, you can get the most protein out of eggs than any other protein source. Because your body absorbs 50% of the protein content in eggs. And that, that's a good point just to quickly mm-hmm. raise, talking about bioavailability of um, 
minerals and uh, and like the like things like omega three and stuff. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people maybe they they take omega three capsules, which I'm not saying are bad, mm-hmm. but uh, and. Uh, Good Amigo three capsules are pretty expensive, right? Yeah, they're like they can be over a hundred dollars for yeah. a, a proper. And what what you want to think about is you can you a lot of the time you can get the same the same thing from say having some salmon, having yeah. some salmon a couple of times a week, or having it even once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, Two times a week is yeah. supposed to be the, the sweet spot for uh, getting your omega threes. And so, and for instance, with turmeric as well. Mm-hmm. Um, something that's quite interesting that got told to me was that in order for your body to really absorb turmeric it has to be dissolved in fat Mm. and a lot of the time when you know when i've had or if you're having raw turmeric that's fine but and it's it's good to masticate it very thoroughly um put it in a smoothie yeah put it in a smoothie um but I don't see turmeric on here, by the way. Just so. Oh yeah, no, no. It's just just a more general point about. Oh yeah, I mean it. I, yeah, getting, it should be getting nutrients from your food. A lot of supplements are just a waste of money because they just go out in the toilet when you go and do a wee mm-hmm. because your body doesn't absorb them. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, in a worst case scenario, if that supplement isn't right for you, then it could be building up um, mm-hmm. as as a toxic deposit in your body, and so. Really, you should be essentially trying to trying to get all of your your key vitamins from from your food. There'll be stuff mm-hmm. that you do need to supplement, but think like it's for, best to get yeah. it from the source and, and like cheap multivitamins from yeah, chemist warehouse. For, don't don't yeah. get that. It's just a, it's a waste of your money. Like that that probably costs you I don't know how much like twenty dollars twenty twenty or thirty bucks. Spend that on some some awful. some eggs. Yeah, <laughs> some awful. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just as a note, uh, the supplements that are on Aegon, uh, the one you know, they are a bit more expensive, but it's because they're the proper quality ones. We also provide research for if a certain supplement has to be taken a certain way. Uh, for example, magnesium is always better to take it when it's in contact with the skin. So, like magnesium soak or magnesium uh, spray or cream. Um, but it, it's definitely not good to just go. And you're like, all right, which multivitamin? Oh, yeah, let's just get this one that's like 180 capsules and it's got a nice label on it. Uh, and another thing, just mm-hmm. this, is, this is a funny one. So I used to have these, uh, like this was a while ago, not, not like a few years ago, I used to have these uh, shots, you know, I think they're pretty popular. You, like you get a, a shot from the with your coffee or whatever oh, yeah. and it's some weird mixture of juice and uh the advertiser's really good yeah, for you. Yeah, and pepper and stuff. Yeah. And I'd always have the one with charcoal because charcoal is, it is a, a very hi- hyper-absorbent substance uh, when people overdose on, I think it's, um, what's the name of the, the drugs where, uh, opioids. Mm-hmm. When people overdose on opioids, I think they sometimes, in the, they have emergency kits that utilise charcoal to absorb the drug out of their system. So mm-hmm. it, and, and in a very short space of time. So it's quite... It's, it's quite potent, and so they'll they'll give you these uh, charcoal shots with with the cayenne pepper and and lemon and whatever, and then you drink it. And then I read this article, I think, is in the Guardian of, and it was this uh, lady who was a scientist. Um, I can't remember. Maybe she's a biologist. I think. Yeah. Some kind of biologist, and she was saying, "Listen, when you when you have that shot, the charcoal is just ab- absorbing all of the uh, nutrients from." the thing that you're taking is just a waste of your money. And so 
this this podcast is uh, all about being healthy and um, you know engaging with with these kind of uh, foods and, and attitudes towards food that can sometimes be written off as being a bit silly or not not really working and and what we're trying to do is navigate the space between between like what what what's the standard and then what's the you know um the type of behavior that gives living healthily a bad name which is essentially buying into fatty products mm-hmm. that don't really work or wasting your money on stuff that that is superficially healthy but actually either does nothing or is actually bad for you and and you know i've made I, i've made those mistakes in the past so we, we kind of want to help other people navigate this and also be able to do it affordably because we we do think that whilst you you may not be able to supplement like a top athlete you also don't really need to mm. and if you just eat a good diet then you can do that for not as much money as you may think mm-hmm. and you'll you'll save yourself the cost of you know in the future we we're, we're lucky here in Australia we have a, a public health system but you know if you're in the US for instance you kind of in a way have have a bit of control over whether or not you end up in a emergency department in mm-hmm. your in your 50s with a heart attack if you you know, of course, there are constraints to everyone's situation. But if you're if you're able to educate yourself on this stuff, then 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 you sh- you should um, mm-hmm. because you know in that well, whenever you go into a hospital in one of those countries, you're you're screwed if you don't have health insurance. And one of my goals in life is to never you know I don't want to go to a hospital ever um, because of something I could have prevented. Of course. I could get some. You, you can't you con- open your arm up from your heel <laughs> on your skateboard. Yeah, but you, you can't. You can't. You can't control everything. Yeah. All right. But I, like, I would hate to like go into a hospital with a bloody heart attack because I just ate Krispy Kremes for ages mm-hmm. or whatever, or Alzheimer's or something yeah. like that. Easily preventable if you're just eating fats, mm. um, omega threes, and uh, if you if you're gonna. For whatever reason, it it is good if say you don't want to eat fish all the time, which I kind of get. You don't want to eat oily fish like every day. Getting just daily omega threes is good, but if you're going to get it, one, make sure it's high quality. Yeah. Two, make sure it's EPA plus DHA, mm-hmm. and those are just uh, acronyms for two omega three acids. Omega three acids are essential for the construction of your neurotransmitters, which is pretty much a control control system of your body. Um, and if you look, if you are looking at this healthy eating guide in the bottom left corner, this is something we found interesting. The the link for the healthy eating guide will be in the description. By yeah, the way. yeah, will is that there is no differentiation between the oils here. Yeah. It says use in small amounts. This is massive. Canola spray, margarine. And I just want to have a side note: margarine and canola oil original uses <laughs> were uh, lubricating ships and steam engines. It was a lubricant, like an industrial lubricant. There's, there's no history of olive oil being a lubricant for a vehicle or a machine. Mm. Um, so just think, think about like the oil you're pouring in your car and then imagine you're spreading it on your toast. That's pretty, that's pretty much the historical profile of uh, canola oil and margarine. Sorry. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, tell them about the 
Ben Greenfield <coughs> point about how it fuses to your neurons. Yeah, yeah. So um, if you don't know, canola oil is highly reactive, which means like if you cook it um, and if you cook food in it, it releases, it becomes a, it releases a lot of free radicals pretty much. And and what what's a free radical? So it's it's like if you if you have a piece of metal and it rusts, mm-hmm. it's oxidation. Mm-hmm. Oxidizer. I can't remember if it's oxidation or oxidization, but that's pretty much what free radicals do inside your body. They they and that's why you have all those o- antioxidants because it's supposed to counter that. Mm-hmm. So um, they're pretty much causing you to age. Mm-hmm. Spe- it's not a nice way of putting it. It's speeding up your death. Mm-hmm. Um, and moreover. You have these highly reactive substances in your body. The thing about canola oil is that if you eat it, it's uh, used for the construction of your neurons. It's used in the myelin sheath of your neurons, which uh, if you remember from your biology class, is what connects one end of a neuron to another. And it's what helps the, uh, the transmission process of, of a message to, uh, through a nerve. Um, and it's also a uh, what's that word like when when you get oh in insulating it also insulates the uh, the nerve. So if you're eating or just using canola spray, you're building your body up with something that's highly reactive, not good for you, and is causing you to age. Um, whereas, Pretty good combo. Yeah, I know. Like you can't get you can't get much better than that. Oh yeah, and by the way, it's uh, normally sold in plastic, and it's like a dollar to get from a. From your supermarket. Yeah, well, you know, if you, anyone that's worked in the kitchen before, yeah, that's the shit that they have in the tubs <laughs> yeah. out the back. Yeah, that's just you would not. I think what uh, one of the benefits spraying their fucking Pam on yeah. the. You know, you've worked in a, uh, a kitchen as well, right? Yeah, we both have. Yeah, yeah. and um, you get an insider. <laughs> you get you get a view of of, I don't know. You just see how it looks good on the plate. It doesn't look mm. good in the uh, in yeah. the back, and and I just think anything that's stored in like gallon tubs mm. is just plastic. Usually with cling film on the yeah. top. I don't know. It's, it's it's not good. It's not a good thing to put in your body. It really, yeah. isn't. Um, and, and I think I th- what I'm trying to say is like the way that food is treated tells you something about how its nutritional value. I think, yeah. and and you. you for for instance, with olive oil, most like good quality olive oil, it's always in um, a metal kind of container. If if the, if it's in bulk, it's, it'll be in a large kind of metal metal type container. And, and and you see chefs, chefs will actually treat good quality food with um, in a different way to uh, the way in which they would treat like kind of the, the scraps or like stuff that isn't that good quality. And you'd expect them to because their whole job is about. Under, you know, it's a craft. They they understand the ingredients at a, a really deep level. Uh, a lot of these uh, guys and girls grew up, you know, go, going to markets or working, um, or like like hanging out in the kitchen with their grandparents or one of their parents, and just really getting to understand food at a, at a fundamental level. And one of the most interesting things I think is just like seeing how chefs treat food. Um, Whenever you watch a cooking show, for instance, like, and, and they're cooking with good quality ingredients, they'll kind of treat the ingredients with almost a reverence, um, which is which I think is is the correct way to treat it because ultimately, you know, with meat, it's a more uh, explicit example of this. You've killed something and you're eating it, um, 
you've taken away life and you want to treat it well. But for instance, if you're if you're dealing with kind of bacon that's from a a pig farm out in the back of nowhere where the pigs are like 0.003 meters apart and um they're just kind of shitting and pissing all over each other and and then they're all in a dark barn for their entire lives you know there's a reason why all of that bacon is pre-cooked at 6 a.m and left on a (laughs) baking tray yeah uh and like stewing in its own fat mixed with um spray on canola oil um and and so i think look at how your food's packaged look at how you even you feel you know there's a lot of wisdom just in your gut reaction to stuff you should you should pay attention to it because it's not this isn't a in, intuition i think gets a bad name mm-hmm. because especially in our society like there's this this uh, you know i'm i'm a big proponent of science and rationality but uh there's also a place for intuition and and a respect for kind of our evolved responses to things mm-hmm. and and they're off a lot of the time now because our world's very different but in th- with things like food um i think they're uh, they're they're a lot more in tune to things mm-hmm. and so when you're going to the supermarket just kind of like notice how how does this food make you feel you know touch your food because it, a lot of the time like if you you're really alienated from your food yeah. Right. Like, like think about ca- like a Campbell's soup, yeah. thing, or or like spaghetti in a can. Yeah. Right. That's that's such a a weird way to eat, and mentally, I think it has it has a um an effect on you. Yeah. I think that book that Dad read, The Warrior Diet, by this um I think he was a, a Israeli guy who was oh well they all have to be in the military I think if you're Israeli you have to do national service but like he was I think he may have been in special forces or something um, Ori Ori Hofmeckler yeah the warrior dice which your biological powerhouse for for high energy explosive strength and a leaner harder body yeah and I, I think one of his ma- I haven't read the book but uh, I talked with my dad about it and and one of the things that he said uh, the author talked about a lot was how important it is to how important it is um, to prepare your food with intention and with presence, mm-hmm. and when you eat it too, to be fully present for that moment. Because don't be on your phone while you're eating a yeah. meal. Yeah, uh, don't don't be watching TV. Mm. Don't don't be, um, yeah, don't be scrolling through Instagram. Uh, I think everyone at the moment, a lot of people like live very very rushed lives, and um, there's a feeling that you never have enough time to do anything. Mm-hmm. You just have to be present. Once you're yeah. once you're present, yeah, you'll realize, geez, there is a lot of time. Yeah, um, and I'm, I'm not present. Yeah, I'm not present all the time. Yeah, I'm sure uh, you've experienced being present. But when you are, you're like, wow, um, and that's something you should do with food, mm. because, yeah, you get to eat three times a day. But especially if you're trying to lose weight as well, if you're not present with your meal, it just goes, and you'll be like, oh, where did that go? I think. Well, a lot of like you know friends and family have struggled with their weight. One mm. of the things that you notice is that when you're not present with your food, that's when issues can arise in terms of putting on weight mm. or um in terms of you know maybe struggling to put on weight, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be um, 
And so, like, developing a... It's a very weird thing to think about, developing a relationship with food. Mm -hmm. But it is something that I think is just very fundamental to being any kind of animal. Mm -hmm. Um, And... And there's a lot of knowledge in our bodies that can't be explicitly um, described in you know, propositional logic or like a, it, the abstract for a, um, a scientific article. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't make it illegitimate. Well, I think... And, and you ignore it at your own peril. Yeah. Part of the problem with the people having a relationship with food is because uh, the relationship has disappeared because we're, we're still the predators, right? Everything in the supermarket is a prey. The problem is that we're not getting it anymore. We're not going out and hunting it. The relationship for hunter-gatherers is a lot different because, and I haven't been hunting myself, definitely want to uh, try it, um, but I've heard from a lot of people who go hunting, there's so much work into catching that animal Um and to making sure you get the right shot and and bring it back to your camp and like hanging it up and skinning it or whatever, that the relationship's already there. Mm. Whereas with us, I mean... I think it's important to note we're not, we're not saying everyone needs to go out and hunt, yeah, 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 hunt their food. Not. And the gains from specialisation that we have in, in our society now are huge and, and they allow us to do amazing things. Mm-hmm. But I guess what we're talking about is, and, and there's a good quote, I think, uh, probably misquoting him, but Matt Ridley, in an interview, he's the guy that wrote um, The Evolution of Everything and also uh, Red Queen Psychology, which are two really, really cool books. One of, he said, basically, he said, another name, another word for being a jack of all trades is poverty. And like, Essentially, what he's getting from there, getting at there, is that um, you know we live in a society now where you're essentially rewarded for how deep you can delve down into something and provide value to others, mm-hmm. um, and the amount of value that you provide will be a function of basically your expertise and your ability. Um, and that's not to argue against being a polymath or having a broader array of interests, but also. We're not advocating for some kind of return to a primal existence, yeah. Uh, just in case anyone interprets that way, yeah. Uh, but what what I think what this is about is like using all the amazing advances in science and agricultural technology specifically to live a healthy life and 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 make that available to as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. There are two sides of the coin with uh, where agricultural advancements have got us one we have way better easier access to getting like organic food Mm. compared to going out and hunting it yourself um also be pretty hard like nowadays i'm pretty sure the only animals i see in cities like bush turkeys and pigeons so the other side of the coin those bush turkeys looking kind of good though (laughs) i'm pretty sure they're full of uh lice as well maggots and stuff Yeah. yeah um the other side of the coin is that it's also allowed us to like mass produce heaps of stuff, um, mm-hmm. and that's what gets thrown at you first. And, and that's yeah, stuff that you nece- you don't necessarily need. Yeah, and and there's a good, can't remember the economist, but he's a he's he was a French economist who basically had a 
a hypothesis, but supply creates its own demand. And I think that 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 law breaks that proposed law breaks down in in some circumstances but it's it's a good heuristic just to kind of think about why do you want this stuff what why is it that you um want this stuff how much of it is conditioning and and also you know advertising works on everyone it works on on me it works on Kieran uh that's just a fact of life but just being a little bit more aware of the stuff um, I guess you kind of get to choose what what it is that uh, what it is that manipulates you. Maybe I, I don't know if that's that's a contradiction. Mm. Um, but but you, you do have a choice. Yeah. I, well, but I, I think you know, like with, with this Aegon stuff, right? We, we're essentially trying to get people to buy products and like mm-hmm. listen to what we're saying. Yeah. And that and whether or not people do that will be in some part the result of a successful marketing scheme. Mm-hmm. And so... But at the same time, um, and I'm not trying to like pump pump Aegon up or anything. Yeah. I know I'm part of Aegon, but I'm not going to be involved in a business where I don't agree with its uh, like Michelin. Mm, but it, well, it's like what Elon Musk does, yeah. right? Like he's, he's obviously trying to get people to buy Teslas or like... Mm-hmm. But he's also trying to help. But he's also... He has a, a larger mission. Yeah. And I think... People sense that. Yeah. And that well. that's what you walk into a supermarket, mm-hmm. the baked bean companies aren't trying to aren't in your best interest. No. And <laughs> baked beans are recommended on this in the in the meat section. Mm-hmm. Um whereas the companies are coming out with organic uh health food options. Some of the, some I'm not saying all of them, some of them don't have your best interest in mind. No. Some of them are uh, scams like nitrate free bacon, which we talked about in the last podcast. But some of them also do have your best interests in mind. Uh, obviously, they want to make money. Mm. Some of them are not for profits, but they're also trying to fix certain things, mm-hmm. which is what what I'm trying to do without like ripping you off at the same time, because yeah. that's that is what some companies do, and that's because I'm not just trying to make a place where you just come and buy products. I want you to know the stuff as well, so you can be like, "I bought that because," and and also knowing that you don't you don't have to keep it in your head the whole time. Yeah, but if if you want to come back, you can come and check it out. And uh, because I think one of the things that if you if you something that's quite interesting is mm. you start changing your diet, you start changing what how what you do and how you do things. A lot of the time, people will kind of be like, "Oh, why are you doing that?" And then you tell them, and then they're like, "Oh." And you'll say I'm, I'm, you know, I'm eating awful food because it's good for you. Mm-hmm. And you won't remember unless you're, you know, unless you read the article about the awful thing and then probably reviewed it um, and made annotations, made or annotations, and then did some active recall on it. You're probably not going to be able to unless you're someone that has a really high, a, a good ability to do kind of inst- uh, like long-term recall after one mm-hmm. read, which is. That that would put you in a very small part of the population. Um, unless you've done that, then what can sometimes happen is that people will, will like kind of disqualify what you're doing, um, which can sometimes be quite frustrating when you're trying to change stuff mm-hmm. about you know because like we said, food is such an intimate thing. You ch- you change what you eat, you change who you are, and mm-hmm. so when people kind of disqualify you because essentially they're appealing to social proof, which is what everyone else is doing as their reference. 
but they can delegitimize you because you're essentially not an encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be quite annoying, and so and it may may make you question what you're doing as mm. well. And so yeah, that part of Aegon as well is just like having some information for people to come and get a come hold and of. get yeah. all the time whenever you want. Mm. Um, I think it's a good time. I think we've covered the meat and the lean meats and the oils and fats and stuff. Um, the next couple aren't so big apart from dairy. Uh, quick, uh, quick, uh, little, um, anecdote. Anecdote. Let's go. Uh, so this is in the European Union, but essentially there's, and I can, I can get the, the document. It, it's a pretty meaty document, I think. But I was speaking to a, uh, what's the name? Was it, I don't know the correct name for a, a shoulder surgeon. It just say Orthopedic surgeon, is it? Orthopedic surgeon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was speaking to an orthopedic surgeon who's also just quite, he, you know, he's, he's, this was a few years ago, big believer mm-hmm. in UFOs, um, and also just quite interested in other stuff. Yeah. And one of the things he he was telling me about was how in the EU they have a certain quota, a percentage amount that are uh, of pus that you're allowed to have in milk. Um, yeah, I, I remember you telling yeah. me this. I don't like this stat. But and so, I, I can't remember the exact number, but essentially. The way that cows are milked now, it's it's, it's with these kind of robotic uh, milking things, mm-hmm. um, and they just hook the udders up. You can watch videos of this, by the yeah. way. It's legit like a machine. Yeah, and 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 so w- what happens is that w- when you milk a cow by hand, eventually, the point at which you can't get um, any more out of the udder is not the point at which there's nothing left in the udder. It just means that because you're milking the cow with your hands, you've kind of taken the low-hanging fruit and a, and a little bit extra. You've got your milk, and you kind of have to go, because otherwise the cow's going to get mad. Mm-hmm. But, and, and also your, your hands are tired, and you're just not going to get anything else out. With these machines, what happens is that they try and get everything out. And what an udder is... Like, an udder doesn't just have milk in it. It, it isn't, it's an organ, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's pus, there's blood... And there's lots of other stuff. And what these electric milking things do is they take like a lot more than a human can. Mm-hmm. And you get that little last bit of milk that, that was left in by the human. But you also get all this other stuff. And um, that, that, I think that's, yeah, that, that's an example of like over-optimization, over, over making things overly efficient. Mm-hmm. You have these unintended consequences and that that definitely is not comfortable for the yeah. cow. No, no, it's that's, terrible for the cow. That's yeah, like, and the, but they're tr- they're they're. I don't like to say program, but it, if you watch this stuff, yeah. it's pretty much like a computer. They walk in at a certain time. They hop on their little saddle. That you should see the photographs of this stuff. It's pretty disgusting. Yeah. Um, and you know it is efficient if they've got it programmed the right way, and it doesn't hurt the cows, and you're not getting pus and blood, mm. then that's fine. But uh. There, there are there are problems. I think in, there's there's a, a useful analogy, or just a, like another story that that kind of relates to this. Just the, the concept. Where the concept is basically trying to get a good deal on every instance of your in, interaction mm-hmm. uh, with with the same agent. In this case, it's the the farmer with with the cow trying to get that last bit of milk out each time, and and the. The other example that's similar is in this book, A Man for All Markets by Ed Thorpe. He talks about how um, 
when he set up his hedge fund, he had this he- head trader who would always say, um, you know, I get, I, I get an extra quarter of a cent on, on each trade. And of course, when you, when you're making trades, uh, on each, um, kind of unit, each unit of the trade, yeah. when you're making really big trades that, that adds up. Right. But what Ed Thorpe said was, listen, you could do that. And so the way the head trader would do that would be by basically being very confrontational and, and very difficult um, on the trading floor and getting that, that extra deal from the other trader. Mm-hmm. And he thought this was a great strategy. And what Ed Thorpe said was, listen, you might do that five times in a row, but if on the sixth time the other trader tells you to get fucked, then you've kind of lost 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 all all of the profit that you made in the previous things and you've also lost um more than you would have made if you'd done that another 15 times anyway yeah um and so just and and, and so i think that's something to be mindful of is like just making like these these incremental things that actually require more effort than they're worth especially when you consider the downside of them um in the case of jerry yeah in the drinking Pass and blood, and you're you're shipping out whole to whole continents milk that contains blood and pass, um, and you're also essentially abusing these cows. Mm. But also, just from a purely pragmatic, from the farmer's perspective, you know, hypothetically, the cows might actually last longer and produce better milk if they weren't milked to bleeding mm. each time. Moral of the story. Don't buy the one dollar milk. Yeah. <laughs> don't buy the one dollar milk that's in the two liter bottle. Just don't drink milk. Yeah. And you'll notice you'll notice if you look at the food chart as well, it says uh mostly reduced fat. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna go dive back into the fat thing because we already spoke about that. But uh what it it's saying like skim milk, soy soy drink. I don't I don't know what as uh, explicitly, listen. No one should be out there drinking their soy yeah. frappuccinos. Yeah, if you're ordering a soy latte, one you annoy the barista. I've made soy lattes before. The soy milk is so annoying. Yeah. Two, unless you're like estrogen deficient, um, it's still probably processed and it's still probably not good for you. Um, and what like it's a pretty old fashioned argument. I'm gonna go back. Pretty old fashioned to say, uh, get skimmed milk. And not only that, uh, unless you're, you know, it's fine to just pop some milk in your coffee or tea. But if you're drinking copious amounts of milk, it's, or having like large masses of cheese, it's good to know that cheese is a, uh, and dairy in general is high in histamines. And you know, you go, you go to the chemist sometimes get antihistamines, um, which are like if you've got hay fever, it stops the reactions uh, in your nose and your throat, so you can breathe a bit easier. So. Especially if it's aged or fermented as well. So, uh, like, fermented food is good. Just make sure you're having it, you're not having copious amounts. I remember there was a period where I was oh, eating oh heaps God. of sour oh, That was so bad. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I, <laughs> I then I called my dad one day and I was like, Dad, I feel terrible. And he, he just said the sauerkraut straight away. So, it's always good to just, uh, keep that in moderation. Um, and also just quickly take breaks from, yeah, foods. do it on cycles. Yeah. It's always good to do it on cycles. Um, and make sure that, especially in low, like, cheaper products, you're looking for rancid oils, the rancid oils that we talked about, like uh, canola, in cheese and in yogurt. 
I didn't I didn't like notice this until I started looking, but but put oil in yogurt. Uh especially if it's like in the mix oh. with the pus and blood as well. It's probably not a good good mix. Um but if you if you do want to have I have dairy, uh but goat's milk dairy. Because a lot of people can't stomach uh just normal dairy. It is a good source of calcium, fatty acids, um lot of bacteria in there if you're getting it fermented, which is good for you, good probiotics, and it's high in vitamin K. Um, if you're if you're still sensitive to like goat dairy, try fermented goat dairy like kefir. Uh, if you don't get through that, you know you should probably get checked out. Um, and then with cheese, <laughs> it's a lot of it. You should get it from like a, a proper cheese place. Yeah, support support your local cheese shop if you yeah. can because. The thing is, if you stop eating like heaps of cheese, mm-hmm. then because cheese isn't that cheap, like you know, you get that kind yeah. of unless you're getting that. Craft, There's a line, you know. Cra- you know I'm a, I'm partial to a nice uh, slice of that craft <laughs> cheese that's wrapped in the plastic. The holy, oh that, oh yeah. that cheese. Yeah, I, so I understand, I understand the the pro um, bad cheese argument, but when you eat a lot of bad cheese, you're, you're usually spending a lot of money on cheese, and mm-hmm. if you ate less cheese. And just like every two months or three months, just got bought, the good cheese. Got the good cheese, like got a nice um, thing of cheddar, or what man, you know, like truffle oil manchego. Like you mm. can get yourself a nice slice of that for treat like, yourself. <laughs> yeah, twenty bucks. Um, then I, but I will, I will shout out a place. I will, I will name yeah, a place. Yeah. That's really the yeah. Artisan Cheese Room. Yeah, um, I think they have two stores. They have one in the Hunter Valley. Yeah, um, and one in the Northern Beaches. Uh very very good and you can get organic options there and you can get ghost cheese and it is more expensive it is yeah but but you kind of you don't need to eat as much cheese yeah. as you're probably eating now unless you're like on a quesadilla diet then yeah. uh and and then you can kind of trade uh you know change your diet mm-hmm. and and afford the uh the good stuff yeah um so i think that's all for what about uh, the, what dairy? about this uh one glass of water here yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's probably contact, unless it's like a two-liter glass. Um, they have got this uh, little category called only sometimes and in small amounts. I'm not going to go over that because I think that you know they're pretty they're pretty spot on with that. But they just have pretty much uh, gone to the confectionery aisle in the supermarket and just put everything on there. Uh, so I think we'll wrap up with the last two, which are fruit and vegetables. Uh, I think they're they're. They haven't done a bad job on these, really. Yeah, I think actually this is... This is Except I, <laughs> in the fruit, I wouldn't recommend the 10 peaches. I don't know why they put a 10 of peaches. Just get the normal peaches. Well, to be honest, I think also, like, you probably don't need as much fruit as that. Yeah, if you're... If you're glu- uh, fruit can cause glucose fluctuations, right? So that's energy spikes and then you crash. Um, especially in, like, carbohydrate-rich fruits. So, it, like what we said before... If you're gonna, if you're about to do a workout or you're just finish a workout and you're having a banana, that's fine. But you don't want to be eating bananas all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, another way to counter that, which is something that we both do, is having apple cider vinegar, uh, like in a lukewarm water, uh, before your before your meal, especially if it contains a lot of carbohydrates, because that prevents your uh, glucose fluctuations. Um, and I think the last thing is just try and get it organic if you can. Uh, it is more expensive, but we did a little experiment ourselves um, where we bought yeah. some apples that were non-organic, and you can tell that they've got they've got wax on them because they're always so shiny. If you put them in some water with uh, apple cider vinegar and just leave them, mm. 
all the wax uh, piles up on the apple, and you can you can scrape it off with your nails. Mm. Um, and that if you you know if you can't uh, afford organic stuff, mm. then a good uh, way to get rid of the pesticides and and the other nasty stuff that that will be on your your food is to soak it in apple cider yeah, vinegar. Yeah, that is true. And and wash it, wash everything, even when it's organic, wash everything. Yeah. Um, even, especially if it's organic, because yeah. they like using using poo, poo and stuff. Yeah. Um, Human poo. Yeah, probably not. Do you think? No, I don't <laughs> think so. Um, you would like that. <laughs> Shut up. Um, let's finish off with uh, these vegetables. Again, I don't know why they've uh, included tinned corn, but they have tinned corn and normal corn. But uh, I like my tinned corn. <laughs> uh there, there are there are some pretty good recommendations though, but I would be careful about a couple of these. Uh, just like the the eggplant and the the white potato, mm. the sweet potato is isn't eggplants and white potatoes are in the nightshade family. Sweet potatoes aren't. That's a good thing to know. And they have a uh, an alkaline in them called. Uh, I think it's it. They have they have a high solanine content. Um, tomatoes are also nightshades, but their content isn't as high, so you don't have to. Worry so much about tomatoes. Do you mention peppers? Uh yes, peppers as well. Um, like bell peppers or whatever you call them, capsicum. Uh, also high in uh, solanine, and they're part of the nightshade family. And uh, these can cause solanine can cause inflammation, uh, which is not good if you already have arthritis, because especially for your joints. I know my dad uh, is pretty convinced he has an allergy to uh, nightshades because like if he has mashed potato. The next day, he finds it really hard to, uh, like, once he gets out of bed, finds it a lot harder to start walking. Yeah, his yeah. fingers as well. Um, and also, there are some starchy vegetables in there, which, if post exercise, fine. But if you're not very active, just stick with the the stuff that's got the green leaves on it. Um, and they've got they've got uh, some good recommendations with the legumes, like red uh, red kidney beans. I think they had yeah they had chickpeas there and lentils. Definitely definitely good recommendation there. Just making sure that they're they haven't got preservatives in them. All right, I think that's uh, we've we've gone around the chart. I will have to check on this uh one glass of water uh, that they've got on the chart. But thank you for joining us today on the second Aegon podcast. Make My sure you, pleasure. <laughs> make sure you go and subscribe to Aegon Media. You can also check out our Instagram and Facebook page, Aegon Supplements website, a g o n supplements dot com, and. Make sure that if you are exercising and you're not getting a meal in 30 minutes after your workout, that you go and check out our blue dinosaur bars on the Aegon website, Organic Clean Energy, and they're on sale right now. See you next time.